0: Well, hey, if you hadn't heard, uh, I turned 40 earlier this year, and I've been getting teased a lot about being old. And that just comes with the territory, right? Uh, but this Christmas, I got a gift that I think confirmed that I'm old and old school at the same time. Old school is old and cool, right? And so I got this gift of a board game on Christmas that I was really excited about. But in a digital age, like who plays board games anymore, right? But our family loves playing board games. And when I got this board game, I was so pumped. I couldn't wait to play it. I'd never played it before. I'd heard people talk about it, and I got it at my wife's family Christmas party. So I took it to my family's Christmas party the very next day, and I I couldn't wait to play this game because I wanted to teach my kids how to play it. So I recruited my dad, my two brothers, and my brother-in-law to play this game with me. They hadn't played it either, but here's what you need to know about the five of us. We are very competitive with one another trash-talking the whole nine yards. And so I thought, this will be great. I'm going to school these fools. I'm going to win. It's going to be a good Christmas. They thought the same thing. So we all agreed to play. None of us have played this game before. So we sit down, five competitive men and the instructions. Now, here's what you need to know. On that side of the family, there are 14 grandkids that range from 11 to 1, and it was 5 degrees outside. We couldn't send the children outside. So we knew we had a window of time. We told our wives, 60 to 90 minutes. Give us 60 to 90 minutes. We'll be done, and we'll we'll reengage. Three hours later, three hours later, we were engrossed in this game that we all wanted to win. None of us wanted to lose, but there was no end in sight. No, and none of us wanted to give up. We all wanted to win. But as you might imagine, the natives were getting restless. We, the kids were all over the place. We were getting frustrated with them and our wives were getting frustrated with us. We're like, You can't blame the kids. You've been sitting there for three hours. Something's got to give. And so the five of us competitive men, very competitive men, made a hard decision. We took a truce. No one was going to win this Christmas, and none of us liked it. But we decided for the sake of peace in our family that we needed to call a truce. And as soon as we called a truce, we all pouted. But then we did what we should have done at the very beginning. We Googled how to play the game because obviously we weren't doing something right. And we learned a very valuable lesson that day. There was this one rule that we had read, but we had misinterpreted. And the way that we read the rule slowed the game down and made it almost impossible. Not impossible, but slowing points was slower, obviously, because we were three hours in and there's no end in sight. So we learned a valuable lesson on that day. Men don't follow instructions well, right? I don't know if you'd heard this before. I'd heard rumors of this. I think it was a fluke. But we also learned a really another very important rule, and that's this. Rules are important and they should be obeyed. I mean, the rules of the game are there for a reason, and we were playing by the rule, but we hadn't read it right, and so rules are important, and they need to be obeyed. Now, there's two types of people in the world. There's those of us that enjoy following the rules. We're black and white, and we're rule followers, but then there's the rest of us that say, yeah, they're meant to be bent, maybe broken, right? Like, you can stand out of bounds, and you're still okay, right? Rule followers and rule breakers, but whether we like it or not, we live in a world that's governed, by rules. I mean, there's just rules everywhere we go. I bet you have rules at your house the same way that we do. And if I were to summarize the rules in our house, they go something like this. Put the seat down when you're done, clean up after yourself and don't be a jerk. Right? Those are the rules in our house. That's pretty simple rules. Right, And you probably have some similar rules. There's rules on the road. If you drove here today, you know you gotta drive in a certain lane and you gotta obey all the signs and lights and you can only drive so fast. There's rules on the road. There's rules at school. You don't cheat off of people and you don't mistreat people. There's rules at work. You show up on time. You work with integrity. You don't steal, right? There are uh, rules of sports. If you or your kids play sports and you don't play by the rules, what happens? You get booted out. There's rules that govern society. You have to act with honesty and integrity. you got to respect other people and treat them the way that you want to be treated, right? There's rules. And these are all good things. These rules are meant to help us live in community, to be in unity and live in harmony and peace in the world around us. But can we be honest for just a moment? There's some pretty goofy rules out there, right? I mean, have you ever come in contact with a really goofy rule? I asked my Facebook friends this week, to tell me about some goofy or ridiculous rules that they had experienced in their life. And it was fun because I could hear the ding, 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 ding. Like I kept getting messaged over and over again about these rules. Some of them are hilarious. Some of them are sad. My wife shared with me this week. She lived in a house with two other girls, her two sisters, and their dad had a rule that they could only use five squares of toilet paper for every trip to the restroom. And depending on what you had for lunch that day, that could be a little challenging, right? One friend said that she had a fourth grade teacher who refused to let students use erasers on spelling tests. You could use your eraser on any other test, but not your spelling test. Because, guys, how else are children going to learn how to spell if they can't use their erasers, right? I don't know what the teacher was thinking. But then there were all my friends that went to private schools, and they had some pretty good rules. And if you didn't know this, I guess private schools are big about socks. There's all kinds of rules about socks. You had to wear them, and they had to cover your ankles. And one of my friends, who was a female, said she was told, your socks have to cover your ankles because socks that don't cover your ankles are an insurance hazard. Allstate cares about the length of your socks, I guess. I, did, I just didn't, it just seems bizarre. And my friend, Sam Milligan, who attends first service, he said he went to a school where they could not wear shorts unless it was forecasted to be 85 degrees or hotter, right? I mean, nothing teaches the children about the reality of hell than making them sweat in class. I mean, that is just just harsh. Now, those are funny, right? But there were a bunch of other rules that people shared. And this next group of rules that I share with you, they all had a theme, a common theme. They had to do with church and following Jesus and Christian schools. So this next group of rules, maybe you can relate to some of them. Some of them said, I went to a church where men were not allowed to have facial hair and they had to keep their hair short. They couldn't have long hair. Women couldn't cut their hair and had to wear long skirts. Maybe some of you have come from a church like that. One lady said she went to a church where hugging and jewelry were forbidden. No hugging, no jewelry, no bling. Another said that he went to a church where you were forbidden to dance to church music, right? So think about that awesome time of worship we just had, you just have to stand there real rigid. No dancing, no swaying, no nothing. No fun at church. Now, some of my friends that went to Christian colleges though, they had just more extreme rules than that even. Some of them said that they went to a school where you were not allowed to play with traditional playing cards. The only card game allowed on campus was Uno, right? Because that's the game that we'll play in heaven for all eternity, I guess, (laughs) Some of them said they went to a college, a Christian school, where you were not allowed to watch movies. So you know what all the students did? They snuck off campus and went to the local graveyard where they would watch movies together, which is just sad and scary. I don't know. This is weird. Some of them went to schools where guys and girls had to walk. These are adults, college students. Guys and girls had to walk on different sidewalks on that side of the beach. I mean was located on a beach and there was a wall and the guys had to go on this side of the beach and the girls had to go on that side of the beach. I mean, those are some pretty crazy, rigid rules. We laugh at those, right? And I don't know about you, but when I hear about rules like that, this is what happens in my brain. What, what, why, who, what are you thinking? Like, who came up with these rules? And then I step back and think, you know, I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. Whoever made all those rules, it was probably out of a desire to protect people, right? We wanna protect people with our rules but what happens is that protection ends up leading to control and let's be honest it's just not good to try to control people especially especially when it comes to experiencing what the church is and what Jesus is like it's just not good to try to control people So we've been in this series for the last several weeks called Asking for a Friend, where we've been asking some tough questions that people have about who God is and what He's like. We've been trying to find answers to those questions from Scripture. And today our question has to do with following Jesus. And so if we're going to ask this question for a friend, I want to ask it like this. What are the rules when it comes to following Jesus? Jesus. What are the rules when it comes to following Jesus? Because clearly Christians across the board have different sets of rules depending on where you go to church and where you go to school. We've probably been exposed to some of those. And whether we want to admit it or not, as a church or as individuals, we all gravitate towards certain rules that make us feel good about ourselves and our relationship with God. But I think we got to step back and ask a question. Well, which rules are legit and which are made up? And how does Jesus really feel about these things? Because if he is who he says he is and he offers what he has to offer, sometimes our rules don't make him look very attractive at all. So did Jesus say that men can't have facial hair? Did Jesus say that women had to wear long skirts? Did Jesus say you should never ever hug anyone? There's only one way to know, and that is by looking at what he taught. Now, interestingly, Jesus talked a lot about the rules. In fact, in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew records a sermon. It's it's Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, and it takes up three chapters of the Gospel of Matthew. That's like 10% of Matthew is this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, Jesus talks a lot about the rules when it comes to following him. In fact, Jesus starts this sermon off by letting everyone know what a stickler he is for the rules. He starts it off like this in Matthew 5, 17. He says, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I've come to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. And so Jesus makes it clear, look, I'm of Moses and the prophets. He's the rules. Now, when Jesus talks about the, the law of Moses and the prophets. He's talking about the part of the Old Testament that you and I know as the Old Testament. And in Jesus's day, the religious leaders had identified 613 rules or laws that good Jews were to obey and observe. Now of those 613, 248 were positive commandments. Like do this, do this, do this. They were phrased positively And 365 of them were negative commandments. Do not do this. Do not do that. Now, I don't know about you, but 613, memorizing 613 of anything sounds like a challenge, doesn't it? But we're talking about rules and standards when it comes to following God. That's just, that's a lot. But not only was Jesus up to this challenge in this most famous sermon. He says, let me tell you, you've heard that the law says this. But actually, I tell you this, he starts to raise the standard on many of these laws. He starts it like this in Matthew five twenty one. He says, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. If, and if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So Jesus says, you've heard it said that murder is bad. And we would be like, yes, Jesus, murder's terrible. He says, good. Well, I tell you that that time you were driving down the road and you called someone an idiot. Uh Uh-oh. Anybody else ever done that other than me? Right? Like, okay. And he says, not just you're in trouble, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Like, whoop, the bar just went up a little bit. Well, then he's just getting started because he keeps going. In verse 27, he says this, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Rotro. Right, Jesus says, adultery isn't just an act that you commit. It's something that can take place in your mind, in your heart, when you fantasize about someone else. I mean, he just takes the bar and keeps moving it up. And he keeps going. He says, you've heard the law that says, a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say, that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. And then he goes on and drops this little bomb. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I mean, he just keeps raising it up and raising it up and raising it up. And then as if out. Out. He ends this little pep talk with his disciples by saying this, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose your reward from your Father in heaven. So he spends all this time talking about what it is to be good. And then he says, oh, and by the way, don't be good so other people can see you. Because as soon as you're caught trying to be good for the sake of being good, you're bad. That's bad. Now there's two responses that you can take to Jesus here. Those of us that are rule followers say, you tell them, Jesus. You tell them how sinful and awful and terrible they are. You let them have it. But then the rest of us say, and I'm in this camp, I'm like, Jesus, dude, I love you. But, man, those are some crazy high standards, and I'm just going to shoot you straight. I'm not not doing so well. Like, that's high, and I I try, but I I just fall all over myself. Well, apparently the word got out about Jesus and his crazy high standards because at some point in time later, a religious leader, an expert in the law, tracked him down to ask him a legal question. And we find this conversation in Matthew chapter 22. If you wanna follow along in the Bibles around the room, it's on page 692. But in Matthew 22, we see this conversation between Jesus and this legal expert, and it starts like this. It says, one of them, verse 35, one of them, an expert in the law, Tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, as it turns out, this is one of their favorite things to do for the legal experts in Jesus' day. They would like to take all 613 laws, they'd put them all out on the table, and they would debate about which one was the most important, the greatest, which sounds kind of lame to us, but you've probably done something similar before. If you're a basketball fan and you like the NBA, people, talk about, oh, who deserves to be the MVP? Some say LeBron or Kevin Durant or James Harden, but the rest of us know it's really going to be Victor Oladipo. It should be Victor Oladipo, right? But that's how those debates go. Well, that's a, we nerd out on stuff like that. These religious leaders, they nerded out over which of God's law was most important, which seems like a very valid thing. So when this legal esper, expert asks Jesus this question, what he really wants to see is how is he going to summarize all 613 of these commandments in a way that it's memorable. And apparently Jesus had been thinking about this for a while because he didn't didn't delay, he just responds and he says, well, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And if you love God, that sounds like a really good answer, doesn't it? But what you might not know is that Jesus is actually quoting those are the words Moses wrote in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy 6, those are the words that Moses recorded. And that's a, it's a sacred prayer in Judaism known as the Shema. And it starts by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now the Shema was the first prayer that Jewish children would be taught to pray. And as an adult, it was a sacred prayer that an observant Jew would recite twice a day. Once when waking up and once When going to bed. So, as a good Jew, Jesus would have recited the Shema twice daily for his whole life. Now, that answer probably pleased this legal expert because Jesus answers his question by quoting scripture. But in true Jesus fashion, he takes some liberties. He wants to tack something on and he says this the second commandment is like it. You need to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, there he goes again. He's tacking on. He's raising the standards. Now, in fairness, Jesus didn't make this up. He was actually quoting another book that Moses wrote, the book of Leviticus. And Leviticus 19.18 says, love your neighbors as you love yourself. Now, from the perspective of a first century Jew, if someone were to quote a command that Moses had written, that command was not only trustworthy, it was binding. It was the law. So Jesus knew what he was doing. He was going back into the Old Testament law and saying, this is it. This is what it looks like. Now, there's a few things to point out about this exchange between Jesus and this legal expert. First, it's important to pay attention to what Jesus said and what he didn't say. What he doesn't say is that the most important law is simply to serve God and to do good. He says it's more important than that. We have to love God with every fiber of our being. And loving God doesn't just mean that we have good feelings about him, but Jesus says you love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So according to Jesus, rule number one is to make sure that we're right in our vertical relationship with God, right? We're here. God is here. Rule number one is to be right in this relationship. But Jesus doesn't stop with the vertical relationship. He says that love for God can't be separated from loving the people that God has created in his image and likeness. And so he says rule number two is to love your neighbor As you love yourself. So now he's talking about our horizontal relationships with all the people around us. You want to know what the most important laws are? Be right in your vertical relationship. Be right in your horizontal relationships. And then look at what Jesus says in verse 40. He says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So Jesus is saying all 613 Old Testament laws that the religious leaders love to study and debate, all of them point back to these Commandments. So back to our question for the day. What are the rules when it comes to following Jesus? Well, according to Jesus, the most important rule is to make sure that you're right in your vertical and in your horizontal relationships and make sure that they're guided by love. Make sure that your vertical and your horizontal relationships are guided by love. Not guided by laws that we make up, not guided by rules that make us feel good, not guided by religious tasks that we do to make God happy, but they're guided by, by love. Now that sounds good, but what exactly, what does that mean? Well, look at what Jesus says. Pay close attention in verse 40. He says, all the law and the prophets, all the Old Testament hangs on these two commandments, that you love God and that you love other people. And it just got me wondering this week. The more I read it, I'm like, they all hang on that. Hang, hang, hang. Why Why would he use that word? Well, the Greek word that Jesus used there is for "hang." It literally means to hang or to suspend. That's literally what it means. So I want you to think of it like this. I think Jesus was giving us a word picture. I want you to imagine that this represents all of your relationships, all the relationships in your life, right? And this vertical bar represents your relationship with God. Now, how did Jesus say we are to love God? Heart, soul, mind, Right? So look at this, it's got a a base of three pegs. Now, what would happen if you took one of these pegs away? It's gonna fall over, right? It's It's not gonna be steady. So Jesus says, loving God is really important. You have to love God with everything that you are. If you don't love him with this part, well, the whole thing is gonna fall over. So you have to love God with every fiber of your being. And then he says, well, you love your neighbors as yourself. So I want you to picture this as your vertical, and these are all of your horizontal relationships. This is everybody else in your life. Which brings up the question, who's this right here? Well, this, this is actually you. Because whether you would admit it or not, whether I would admit it or not, we love ourselves a lot. We might not always take good care of ourselves, but we love ourselves. So when you were hungry this morning, what did you do for yourself? Did you feed yourself? When you're cold, did you go grab a blanket? When you need something, do you, go where to find, do, you, do you go find it for you? So he says, look, love yourself, but you are also to love other people the way that you love yourself. Now, this is where the Old Testament laws come into play. He gave us all these laws and all these commands about marriage and murder, and he says, you know what, this is what, this is what marriage is supposed to look like. So all the laws and the prophets hang on this. So with your relationship with your spouse, God tells us what, that, what that's about. And then he gives us laws about our sexuality. He's created us in his image and likeness and what it means to live out of that. And then he says, well, by the way, people are really important to me, so don't murder them. So we'll hang that, we'll hang that down here. These people kind of drive you crazy, right? Because this is like, I'll let you decide, who is this? Who is this for you? Is this like... Your spouse, your kids? Is this like the people that you see on a regular basis? Are these your acquaintances, strangers maybe, enemies? Can you see how this works? Jesus says, well, you shouldn't hate anybody. You can't hate that guy that drives you crazy at the grocery store. And you have to love your enemy, so we'll hang that one down here. And he says, you need to pray for those that persecute you. So pray for these people. Now, when you think of God's laws and you think about this representing all of our relationships, you can see how God's law is meant to protect us from one another. God's law is set up so when we love him and we obey his commands, we take really good care of each other in love. But here's the question. What about what about that other set of rules? What about all the rules that we like to make up, all the things that make us feel good? Here's one that I I, this was one that was for me as a kid, and I, I kinda, I've kind said this to my kids before. Don't run in church. Have you ever heard that before? My kids run around this place, and they're going like, to hurt themselves and somebody else. And I found myself being my parents, don't run in church, right? Now, it would be easy if Jesus said you shouldn't run in church, but he didn't say that. But I kind of like to try to hang that on my kids, like, gosh, guys, get it together. Don't run in church, right? And we have things like that. They're, they're safety things, but we can take it a little too far. And then there's, there's this one we get sometimes, music style. Oh, the music's so loud. Oh, I wish the music were softer. We need more hymns. We got, a, uh, we got somebody anonymously told us that we were, we were probably playing too much music on Sunday morning. I thought, that's interesting. We're not singing to you. We're singing to the God of the universe. But okay, whatever. So we try to hang that on people, right? I don't, people get confused. So we hang that on people. Oh, music style. Social class. I want to go to church with people that, fit, like, I don't want to go with people that make so much money here that I feel poor, but I don't want to go to church with people that make me feel dirty either. So we try to hang that on people. you got to be in a certain social class. Or here's one, dress code. Were you ever told you had to dress a certain way growing up? Dress your best. Dress your best. I mean, heaven for sake, if you just show up and be yourself. Dress your best. So we hang that on people. And then there's, you know, the physical appearance, tattoos and piercings. Don't show up looking like a freak. Nobody likes freaks, right? That makes everybody makes everybody anxious. Here's one that we get on occasion too. I just don't, I don't really agree with the mission of the church. I don't know. I mean, the church that I came from, whatever. Okay, great. Well, here we're helping people find their way back to God and we're making disciples to make disciples, but we want to hang our expectations on people. And so we, you know, I want church to be my way. But then there's this one. And this this is kind of the culmination of everything because it cuts both ways. Because if we are a church and we are followers of Jesus that live out this, what we're really saying with all these other things is you're not good enough. You gotta be good enough for Jesus to love you. And the problem is people actually believe this. this. Have you ever heard someone say, I don't wanna go to church, the building would fall on me. Yeah, I'm not good enough right? We've all been here before, but whether we know it or not, our religious rules, this is what we project onto people. And we start to hang all these rules. And look what happens when you hang all your rules. Well, there's, you can't even see God's rules anymore. They're all hidden. They're all covered up. And it just, it's really hard to figure out who Jesus is and what he's talking about. But here's the biggest problem. When we become a church or a people that says you're not good enough, well, we just kind of like wreck it for people, And all of a sudden, love for God is about something that it was never meant to be. Make God happy. Try harder. Love other people by judging them harshly. And it just wrecks. (laughs) It wrecks their relationship with God. It's just terrible theology. The problem with hanging rules on people when it comes to following Jesus is that people get hung up on the rules and they miss out on who he is. It's hard to understand love and grace when we're not modeling it. For people Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This topic hits really close to home for me because I experienced this firsthand when I first started following Jesus. I first started following Jesus, and I was told, hey, there's no rules. There's just grace. You need to get out of that legalistic background you're in. Just come and enjoy Jesus, which sounded great. But what I learned was that somebody somewhere was making up rules, and they weren't telling anybody what they were. But they were kind of like, don't drink this, drink this. And, and how often should you go to church? And what should you wear while you're there? And don't watch these kind of movies. And I, I didn't know. They weren't posted anywhere. The only time I knew that I broke was when I broke one and somebody would love me enough to correct me in a way that wasn't very loving. And it never, it just never felt good to me. But the, this kind of came to a head for me on a Friday night. It was Good Friday, so it was a Friday before Easter. I was going to worship Jesus for, for dying for my sins. I'm a brand new believer. And I I didn't work that day, so I took off work, and I thought, well, I'm just going to go to church dressed the way I am. I had jeans, flip-flops, and a T-shirt on. And I walk into church, and I run into somebody that's very influential in the church. I knew them. They knew me. And when they saw how I was dressed, they literally, their body recoiled. They were like, and I said, hey. I called them by name. Hey, how's it going? And I I just realized, oh, man, I've upset them. And I went into this service, and I I couldn't get comfortable. I had a hard time singing songs because I'd upset my friend who was very influential in the church. And I honestly didn't know if Jesus was mad at me. And it was, it was really confusing. But here's the worst part of the whole story. I started doing it to other people. I learned that when I go to church, I just dress up. I need to dress a certain way so I can fit in. I need to blend in. Don't stand out. And I started judging people for the movies they watched And for the things that they drank and for the things that they said. I started judging people for their parenting style. And guess what? I didn't have kids. I mean, it wasn't good. And can I just take a moment and say, if you have ever experienced that from another Christian, I am really sorry. I've done it to people. That is not what Jesus is about. That's not what he wants for us. It's not what he wants for this church. It's just, but it just messes, it messes people up. But here's what changed for me. I'm the oldest of four, and I noticed that my youngest brother Daniel started to show an interest in Jesus. But he was not at all interested in the rules that he saw me keeping up with. He knows me better than anybody, and he just he, he didn't call me out, but he would ask like, do I, do, "Do I need to do that? And do I need to stop doing this?" And what I realized was that my religious rules were a roadblock for him. They were my rules that I made up. And it was keeping him at an arm's distance from Jesus. And I realized I got a decision to make. I could be a religious jerk and operate by a bunch of rules that make me feel good but keep him at a distance. Or I could start listening to what Jesus said. Loving the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving other people the way that I love myself. And when I thought about it being my brother, guess what? I thought, well, that's a no-brainer. He's worth it. And so I have been on a path of recovery ever since. And let's be honest, sometimes it's easier to live by the law instead of by love, right? The law is rigid. It's black and white. It makes sense. You know where the out-of-bounds line are. And love is just messy. Paul Waddell says, love doesn't sound so dangerous until you've tried it, right? Love doesn't sound so dangerous until you've tried it. It's one thing for us to say, well, you should love people, but it's another thing to actually go and practice it. And get this, guys, nothing Nothing, nothing, nothing hinders the love of God more than the fake rules that we make up and put on people. Nothing, nothing will keep people further from God. And it is no secret that love is messy. You just need to ask Jesus. Because Jesus loved his heavenly father with every fiber of his being, and his love was evidenced in his obedience to God. And the apostle Paul says this, he was obedient to death, even death on a cross. He loved God so much that he was obedient to his command to die for the sins of the world. Which, what does that say about his love for all of his horizontal relationships? And as he hung on that cross, he was expressing his love for all humanity. And the Apostle Paul, listen to this, he says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree, Isn't that an interesting word to use? Jesus says all the law and the prophets hang on loving God and loving people. And he hung on a cross to lead the way to say this, this is what I'm about. You want to know the rules when it comes to following me. Let all your rules go and love other people in a way that doesn't make sense. Now, I don't know where you're at on your journey. You might be over-churched and beat up and bruised. You might be confused about the rules. Can I just say we're really glad that you're here and I'm happy to sit and talk about some of the rules that you think might be rules that aren't really rules, but we want to help you get on mission with us. Help people find their way back to God through Jesus. Or maybe you're coming and you've been curious for a while. You've got a Christian friend that you think is really weird, but you're drawn to Jesus and you're, you don't know what the rules are. Hey, look, I'd love to sit and chat with you about that, but just know it's guided by love. His rules are guided by love, not by rigid expectations. Jesus isn't trying to keep anybody out of heaven. He wants us to love people out of their life and into a life with him. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I love you, and I am so thankful that when it comes to this, you've modeled it in a way that no one can argue with. You said all the law and the prophets hang on loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And they hang on loving your neighbor as yourself. And then you hung on a cross and said, this is what that looks like. And you've called us, Jesus, to take up our cross and follow you. Would you help us to do that? Would you set us free, Holy Spirit, from the religious rules that hold us back from really knowing you? I've seen a beautiful thing when someone realizes that the rules are fake and they come and follow you. There is nothing like it. Would you set us free from those rules? Would you help us to share your love in such a way that people would be drawn to you? We love you. Thank you. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen.